Today I have Vilan with us. Vilan is my designer. Yes. And uh, <laughs> one also my coworker. Yes. And he's someone that I respect with his point of view in life about um, one's craft, one's path, self mastery, and in the integration between a physical practice, mm -hmm. martial arts, MMA, as well as a practice in self-mastery. So yes. I'm interested to hear more about your point of view in this. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm yeah. happy to be here. Yeah, beautiful. So I'll start off with <clears throat> a question that I always ask all of my guests mm -hmm. is if you can think back on some of the defining moments in your life mm -hmm. that define you as a person, that define you as a man, can you share some of those with us? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, for uh, me, uh, one moment that, that sticks out, and uh, I'm just going to go with my uh, kind of first instinct right when you asked that question. And uh, a defining moment in my life is the first time I, I truly failed at something. And uh, when, I went, when I was going to college, I had a completely different career path. I was going to be a computer engineer, a programmer, and I went to, uh, I went to school for it. And while I was learning, I was learning uh, HTML. And I was learning uh, to be a, you know, uh, developer. I uh, <laughs> I realized that my brain just didn't work that way. Uh, that there's just a certain, you know, I, I understood it in concept, but I just couldn't do it like everyone else could. I knew it wasn't because like a lack of intelligence or something. It just my brain wasn't just wired that way. Uh, and it, it wasn't a matter of like I, I couldn't overcome it. it. It was just sort of this, it gave me this opportunity to consider what else is out there for me. Maybe, maybe if this doesn't, uh, if, maybe if my brain doesn't work this way, where does it work? And that's when I started going into design, to the design aspect of it. And the, the first time I, I failed at something was the best thing that happened because it didn't, I didn't crawl into a like a cave. I didn't get disappointed or just be like, "Oh, life is over." I said, "Okay, let's let's figure this out. Why doesn't it work?" And that path led me to a different career and led me here. And I'm very happy for it. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. And uh, since then, uh, failure in anything has just led to like opportunity. Yeah. But you kind of skip ahead quite a mm -hmm. bit, right? Right. <clears throat> how did you go? How old were you at the time? I'd say what was I? Nineteen. Nineteen years yeah. old. If you think back, nineteen. When I was nineteen, I wasn't as emotionally mature as you uh -huh. were, right? I probably would have taken it very, very. Actually, no, not probably. I did take <laughs> it very personally, right? Yeah. Any kind of setback. If I didn't get a straight A, you know, yeah. I was the failure. Right. Not, not I had a failure, but I was a failure personally. So how were you able to take a very mature um, you know, reaction to this setback mm -hmm. at such a young age? Where did you, did you, first of all, did you go through that what was me first mm -hmm. and come out of that? Or did you right away just look at it in a very rational sense? Uh, no, I'd say, well, initially it was kind of bad. You felt disappointed, probably a couple of days couldn't sleep. Mm. Uh, didn't sleep well at least um, but 
ultimately as I try to kind of fix the problem mm. it just it just sort of kind of came to be it came to the surface and you know the purpose of college I think was to discover what it is you know that you are going to be good at what is it that you're going to be doing hopefully for the rest of your life mm-hmm. uh, so yeah I mean, that's the <laughs> idea right uh, that is where I kind of discovered that that is the way I I think of things and uh, I'll actually tell you uh, there's an interesting story with this that I also thought about and it's it's a little it's funny when I was in I say high school ninth grade we had a substitute teacher and this substitute teacher uh, told us that he is a uh, he's a certified psychic yeah so naturally, all of us wanted him to tell us, like, okay, well, you know, how many, what number am I thinking? What, what's this? What's that? Uh, understand at this point, I was a computer, I was going to be a computer engineer, even in high school. I knew it. I knew everything about computers. Uh, I, I didn't know how little I knew until I got to college. But I go to this guy, and he's saying, okay, uh, the gift he has, that he claims he has, is he can tell what you're going to do when you get older mm. and he just looks at me and he's like you're going to be working in something creative yeah you're going to be creating things i'm like ah, this guy's a fraud this guy has absolutely no idea what he's talking about <laughs> and you know however many years later uh it kind of hit me and i remember that moment and uh it could have been real it could have been right could have been wrong uh, i did i did sort of look into it where uh you looked him so, up no not him up but can you how can you does like I was thinking maybe like certain facial symmetry has there's a correlation between that and how you like what kind of if you're left brain or right brain okay or something like this and there is there is a correlation okay between it and I, I'm thinking that's how he's able to to point that out just your brain your brain is wired a certain way and it kind of shows on your face mm. yeah Got it. I remember I remember that moment that that actually helped me. It could learn think to explore that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for that. Yeah. So, so that was the first defining moment in your life. That's the first one I remember. Yeah. Were there others? Uh, yeah. Um, I also actually uh, right before uh, I'd say my first year of college was also the last year I ever competed uh, as an amateur in uh, in MMA mixed martial arts. Oh, you competed? Yeah, as, as, an as an amateur. I didn't know that. So, okay. um, yeah, I had three total fights uh, as as actual amateur uh, event. Uh, I've had others where they were sort of just exhibitions inside of a gym. But uh, I had two fights prior, and I did very well. Um, I just assumed I was so good. I didn't. Uh, a, a lot, a lot of, a lot of the lessons I learned in life. Are, are simply like uh, you don't know if I could take a mantra from it is you don't know what you don't know right. like you think the world is uh, you know a certain size and you're right at the edge then when you really learn how big the universe is or the world is it's ten times that size and you're still in the same spot uh, so when I had to kind of go up in, like go up a level go up a level in competition it didn't work out the same way it did before. It wasn't easy, 
it uh, required everything I had to just stay in there. Uh, and, you know, I learned a few things about myself. First of all, uh, how, you know, how do I uh, react under adversity? Like, uh, uh, you know, I'm getting hit hard. No one's ever hit me this hard before. Mm. But I'm not giving up. I'm not running away. Yes, I'm locked in a cage. There's nowhere to go. But, uh, yeah, that happens. And I, I kept, so I was proud of myself for the way uh, that I stayed in there. But I couldn't focus. I couldn't, um, you know, I had to be clever, but it just all of it wasn't working out. So I learned that day that, you know, it is, it is hard when you discover you're not as good at something as you thought, mm. which, is, which is okay. Mm. It means you can get, be- you can, you can get better. Mm-hmm. You just, until you got to that point, you didn't know what better meant. You didn't know mm. what you, you have You have an idea of right. uh, what the heck does it mean. Yeah. Now you're going, you know... Mano mano against another yeah. person. Yeah, against right? someone who who you know trained more than I did is physically superior. Mm. Uh, like so, you know, the, that was that was a good moment. And when I went back, I you know tried new things. I didn't try keep. I didn't keep doing the same thing over and over. Right, picked apart what happened to me. And now any time with everything that I do, if uh, someone does something better than I do. Then I'm spending the next few days picking it apart, obsessing over it, mm. figuring out. Not in an unhealthy way, just that's how I learned to improve. Yeah. Because when you, everything that you do, I think you should always try to compete with someone who's better than you. For sure. You know, and that's the that only way, way you learn. Yeah, it's the only way, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's how I figured that out. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to get hit in the head a couple times for it, but. So did you continue to compete? No. Uh, oh, that was it. Yeah, that was the last one. It, it wasn't because of that reason. I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily uh, want to compete. Just the the gym that I was at. It was no longer a just a mixed martial arts gym. They were fight camps. Mm. So everyone there was either an amateur or a professional fighter. Okay. And if you wanted to kind of train there, yeah, uh, you needed a few. You needed experience. Because a big part of the fight camps isn't just the, the physical, but it's also the psychological. Yeah. When you're working with the guy who's prepping for a fight, you know you have to kind of understand what he's going through because you went through it as well. There's an anxiety to this when you're prepping for it that Actually, is I don't terrible. Actually, understand. Back up one second. So uh, a fight camp uh-huh. is um, one, one or two or three of the members of the gym uh-huh. are... Prepping for a fight. They're training right. for a fight. An actual so, fight. In a professional a, yeah, fight. A professional or an amateur fight. Okay. Fight camps are usually for professionals. Yes. Right. Then uh, all the guys in the gym who are uh, within that person's weight class or like close to it mm. train with him. Mm. And we're helping this person, mm-hmm. you know, reach their goal weight, reach, you know, not get injured, you know, get mentally prepared, and we train with them. Mm. So we're all, we're all killing ourselves. But he's the focus, right? For example, you know, whoever whoever is fighting. They want to pay money though huh? to participate in this. Uh, no, we are uh, part of being in the fight camp. Is that you are uh, the that the gym sponsors you? I see. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, my case and a few others were a little different because we were just paying memberships for the regular gym, mm. but we uh, were a little past the beginner classes. And a little beyond the more advanced classes, and this is where we, I see. where we jumped in. And certain uh, in the fighters can request, you know, certain people if they've trained with you and they kind of like the way 
you train, they, they can request you as well. I see. So, so this would happen. And in order to uh, really help the guy prep for this, mm. you had to have experienced a similar thing. Yeah. You know, and that's because like just the weight cut by itself is nightmarish. Oh, you didn't like it, that experience? No, no one I, does. I, I don't see. think anyone's ever liked a uh, weight cut before. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, you're, I, I've never experienced it, so I don't know. You're, you're draining your body of, uh, of water, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't eat anything. You're always hungry, but mm-hmm. you can't eat anything. Uh, your like, lunchtime is just basically a bowl of spinach. Mm-hmm. For example, you have to constantly keep track of uh, your weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the day of my weigh-in. I walk around about 165 pounds. I dropped to 145 for this one, and wow. there was another fight. I was I was at 135 right. for it as well. Wow! Yeah, and uh, I remember for the 145 one, as I'm I'm minutes away from weigh, or like maybe like 20, 30 minutes away from weighing in. All I wanted was some water. And uh, so my coach gave me a water bottle. He's, he didn't let me drink it. He said, hold this, go stand on the scale. And I'm standing on the scale while I'm holding the water bottle. And with the water, I'm, I would be two pounds over. So he's like, no, you can't have the water. <laughs> Took it away from me. I weighed in and then I, I drank my body weight, basically. And, uh, <laughs> and I had two uh, kind of plates of Panda Express waiting. Right. Yeah, that's my... That's my post. That's your reward. That's my post way, yeah. uh, way in food. It's Panda Express. So, I mean, I love that story because a lot of guys, myself included, mm-hmm. fantasize, oh man, what would it be like if I'm facing with so-and-so? Right. Or, or at least there's that natural instinct to, um, to size up. Yeah. Whoever you're talking to. Right, right, right. Can I take this guy, right? That's yeah. when I was doing all the time in my head yeah. when I was practicing martial arts. And the reality of this, I realize, is I can do as much fantasizing as, you know, theorizing as I want. But I don't know until I step into the ring and actually test. What you you can do, what you can't, yeah. Um, And recently I uh, listened to Kobe Bryant's uh, interview with uh what's his name one of the podcasts mm-hmm. and lewis hell that's right okay <clears throat> and he talked about his journey to be a mvp player um so here's a really interesting story he was 11 years old in basketball camp mm-hmm. and in the whole summer he couldn't score one point oh and and that was actually quite interesting to me because mm-hmm. in my mind he's kobe bryant right <laughs> In my mind, I just didn't fathom, calculate in my head mm-hmm. that he was a kid at one point. He had to learn basketball right. at one point. You just assume he was born. He was born, and, yeah. you know, NBA superstar, Kobe yeah. Bryant. The reality, I also realized, hearing that interview, I realized, ultimately, if someone wants to be as good as... So, here's his story. So, he then, from that point on, <clears throat> did a reverse uh, math problem. He said, all right. If everyone practice, let's say, two hours per practice twice a week, if I practice five times a week, um, I would be double or you know, double and a half mm-hmm. um, as good after one year. So even if I, if I just continue to play this game, yeah. 
I in 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 a matter of two years, three years, or four years, I'll be as good as any of these guys who's really really good at that point at mm-hmm. age eleven. Um, then I can catch up to them. Yeah. So he started just putting the hours, yeah, the hard practice, and then uh, within two years, he was the best in the state. Right. Within ten years. Mm-hmm. It was you know continuing to get in the NBA players and MVPs within 20 years was the best yeah right and then if you really just do the calculation mm-hmm. uh, roughly speaking let's I can't remember one some calculations I made he ultimately practiced roughly 40,000 hours yeah hard practice amazing right and I believe that <laughs> yeah no, no I mean that's amazing yeah. but so so if anyone wants to be as good as Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. Minimally speaking, the, the ticket to entry is forty thousand hours hard practice. Right. You may not be as good as Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. and get multiple MVP players and yeah. titles and all these other things. However, I bet you, you will get a fraction mm-hmm. of what he's able of right. doing. Right. So talent you, aside, yeah, gift like, aside, right. You know his natural father, abilities. Natural. Yeah. His father's you know coaching aside, all that stuff aside. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. Definitely, there's uh, some advantages there's some, Absolutely. for sure. Not taking any of that away. Yeah, but it, you can get a fraction, mm-hmm. right, of disability. Yeah, you could grow like he he grew exponentially. You would grow by that same exponent, right? Just compared start, to yeah, exactly myself. where you started, right? Exactly. Right, exactly. Right, right. So if he he improved by three hundred percent, you'll improve by three hundred percent. But roughly, right? Yeah, relatively. Obviously, to there's no numbers, but right again, quantifiably, mm-hmm. to be, be leaps and bounds better. Exactly. Then if I just so going back to your story, mm-hmm. <clears throat> what I realized instead of theorizing and fantasizing, it's it's about number of fights, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. about like how many fights you have. Obviously, with practice, with intentionality, with coaching, yeah. you will get better to right. be a better fighter. Yeah. And no amount of fantasizing or dojo practice. Or like hitting we're, a bag. We're or hitting a bag. Yeah, we, yeah. we replace that. If you want to be a better fighter, the only way to do that is fight. Actually fight. <laughs> yes. If for real. Absolutely. Right? In a ring. Right. I mean, sparring works too. Yeah. Uh, sparring but is to a certain good... degree, because yeah. you're still practicing, not right. actually 100%. That's right. Trying to take down the other guy or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Score points. Absolutely. Or anything like that. Yeah. So that's a. It's a really simplistic a way for me to look at it. If you want to get better at something, mm-hmm. do actually it. do the thing. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that's essentially do the thing, what it is. And then, yeah. and then you'll get better. And then yeah. that's actually the impetus, personally, for me to, to do these podcast interviews. Mm-hmm. One, because I really enjoy it. Two, if I look at Joe Rogan and say, oh my God, that guy is so good. Mm-hmm. You know, let, me, let me do some homework. Yeah. Too, so then I, let me let me break down what he's doing so then I can prepare myself mm-hmm. to for the podcast and, yeah forget it that's one approach certainly but another approach is just just do the podcast right stop and then and right and then stop worrying about the outcome and mm-hmm. whatever and way I can do the post uh, gameplay afterwards but yeah <clears throat> this is about you someone come back to you that's great right yeah. so are there other um, significantly uh, pivotal moments in your life that made you the person that you are today? Um, 
the man that you are today? Uh, I don't, you know, it's kind of hard to find, like, no big moments. It's mm-hmm. just a series of of small moments, mm-hmm. little nudges throughout throughout life. Uh, you know, family is a big, big part of it. Um, my, my family, I'm, I'm, I am Armenian and, um, Armenian families are very, very close, uh, both like, you know, like emotionally close and physically close. Like we all live next to each other. My entire family, all my cousins, relatives, essentially everybody lives within two to three miles of each other in Glendale with the exception of myself who lives in Culver City. So uh, I every weekend I try to go visit them. But uh, family, uh, they tend to, they would always try to kind of pull me back, pull me in. And I'm... In what way? In, you know, like, I'll just stay here. Oh, There's yeah. nothing, I mean, there, were, there was nothing in that city for me to do with what I wanted to do. Mm. I had to sort of expand, go a little further to the west side. I, at one point, I remember I almost moved to New York to work at an ad agency uh, and they usually most of my life I just did whatever it was to uh, make my parents happy mm. you know it was like a path of least resistance because they were very very good at uh, like you know, I love my parents they're wonderful parents but without knowing they could guilt me into doing just about anything they were the only people who could do it mm. And I they know where the buttons push right, yeah. but I they had they just knew how to do it so well they did it uh, you know unconsciously like they mm-hmm. didn't mean to of course they would never mean to do that I hope <laughs> but when I made uh, the decision it was first like move out moving out is you you know in an Armenian family is maybe the worst thing it's like leaving you're never gonna see them again you abandon them right yeah. that's that's how they would make it feel but I had to kind of stick with it and I again I felt really bad felt so guilty about it I went I overdid the visiting at home and uh, but at that exact time uh, my career started to kind of blossom because I started to notice how much time I would spend doing things that were not helping push my career forward uh, a lot of it was family-based, like, um, you know, go see this person, go see that person, uh, uh, trying to make everybody happy all the time. That, w- that was one issue. And uh, it's, a, it's a type of family that doesn't mind asking for things mm. all the time, just because you're close by. Mm. Not, not my immediate family, but cousins and stuff like that. They're, they can be very overwhelming. Mm. But I got away from that, just at least during the week, and that let me focus on what I needed to do. Hmm. And all that extra time, I was careful not to waste it. Hmm. I had it, be productive with it. Hmm. And You were very intentional about that yes, free time you got. Absolutely. Okay. I, because I knew what this opportunity was. When Once I started to notice it was happening, yes, go for it. Hmm. Focus on it, use it well. And part of, part of using it well, part of the thing was figure out what you have to do. You have to create a game plan mm. for yourself. How do you do that? First of all, let's find, find, let's find the ultimate goal. What do you want to do? I want to be a creative director one day. Mm. How do I get there? What are the steps to it? What are the things I have to learn? So I started learning all these different things, taught myself how to 
learn them, which is more important. And slowly, but not surely, I moved up, and this is the current, you know, place on my path. No, this is actually interesting. So you basically did everything yourself. You were self-taught that way, like self-didact. You figure it out yourself. Yeah, that did, was. Did you have a mentor? Did you have a teacher? No, did you have uh, a, you know a council of men or you know someone to help guide along guide you along the way? Um, or you just kind of figure it out. Yourself? I had to figure it out myself. Um, no, no mentor. No, uh, like rock. You know, no one no one to to talk to mm. really so that that kind of messed with uh like any relationships i tried having in an inability to like unwillingness to just share mm. gladly mm. How, you know how i'm feeling because i didn't want anybody to feel bad mm. like that 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 was a byproduct of it but yeah the uh to learn stuff you know we live in an age where you can learn just about anything sure and that's how I would do it. I just, you know, read what I could, watch what I could, try it out, mm. try by doing, and that's how I did it. I see. Yeah. Is this still the same way where you, you know, do everything pretty much yourself, or do you have a council of people who can help, you know, be the sounding board, be, you know, tell you the truth, shine the mirror to you, mm -hmm. and. And when you veer from your purpose, where you want to go, tell you and say, hey, you are deviating from your path. Yeah. I wish I did. No, mm. I don't, unfortunately. Not, not mm -hmm. in the area of, let's say, mixed martial arts or work or anything like that? Uh, or family-wise? Again, like, like uh, family was... Um, family uh, wasn't... It wasn't that kind of like I didn't have that kind of relationship mm. because it was a lot of uh, just take care of them. I know? see. So you were the caretaker. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways. You don't seek their input. You give your input. They give. They give the input regardless. So I've never. <laughs> I, I've never been. You know what I mean? Like I've never been in a situation where I've had to seek it out because it was always freely given. I and see. It, a lot of times it's great advice, of course. Okay. You know, it's you know they these are, you know my parents. Uh, incredible people they've had a lot of experiences mm. uh, a lot of these experiences had to do growing up in the soviet union so mm. that's a lot different here mm. the way they grew up the way that they were sort of programmed was just assume the worst in everything right that's not a nice way to to grow up you know in in the u.s right. especially so like when your parents always just assume something bad is going to happen mm. with everything uh but yeah they gave they would always give great uh advice Freely, there right. was never a, a need to ask I see. for it. Uh, and then when you know that was no longer a thing, not everybody gives advice mm. freely, mm. and I never got in the habit of asking for it. I see. So uh, what I had to learn was do something, fail, figure out why it failed, and oh, there's there it is. You let doing be the best teacher yeah. for you. Okay. Yeah. All right. So knowing what you know now. Right, if someone's listening to this, yeah, who may be younger, who may be in the path of moving mm. out of the house or whatever it may be, knowing what you know now, would you believe doing is the best way of learning still, or do you believe there's a mixture of? I don't want to lead the witness per se, right, right, right. but is there a middle way or? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I think so. I think if you uh, doing is great, doing is still the best way. But a, I think having a mentor or uh, someone you you look up to, someone who can help you guide, who can help guide you to that path, cuts the time in half. Mm. You know, uh, a lot of a lot of people that I, I've worked for, um, this is this is usually their story. They just like me. They learn everything. They self-learn. They they try it, but they had someone who they looked up to, someone who who is where they wanted to be, and that person would kind of point them in the right direction. Okay. You know, and that kind of cuts the time down. So if you if you let's say drawing from blank right now from、mm-hmm. scratch, if you were to have a mentor, what kind of criteria would such a mentor be? Um. I'd say someone who like is from. I like to say someone from like a humble background, like mine. Okay.、Uh, who who is self-taught? Who didn't necessarily?、Uh, who like who who found a lot of success in in his field,、mm-hmm. and that field being similar to my field. Sure. And he can tell you how, you know, what's the best way to get there, or at least what. A lot of people have tried. How? Give me the tools. Not tell me exactly how to get there, but give me the tools to get there myself. Point you to the yeah. Point me, point me in that direction because I'll go like east, west,、mm-hmm. north,、mm-hmm. and only to you know go really far. Figure out this is not the right way to go. Come back, go that way.、Mm-hmm. So if you get eliminate that part,、mm-hmm. yeah. And I feel like that kind of person who understands you and you understand them, that's an ideal mentor.、Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, of course.、Um, I want to focus on a little bit on self mastery because、mm-hmm. you are someone whose work I you just make beautiful work. Yeah. Right.、You. And obviously, we have a lot of talented people.、Mm-hmm. And but some something something about the work that you do and the way you do it to me speaks louder. About、mm-hmm. self mastery,、mm-hmm. then、oh, let me actually contextualize a little、yeah. bit. <clears throat> Let's see how do I articulate this question?、Mm. Okay, you know how there are some people walking around saying like, "Hey, look how great my work is." Yeah, you don't do that, right? But the work that you do、uh-huh. speaks louder than perhaps what someone else. External words may say, yeah, right, and and how you do them. You're very humble about it. You're very collaborative.、Mm-hmm. You include other people. In the, anyways, you know, speak more about what are some of the tactical disciplines that you take to hone your self mastery.、Mm-hmm. So, a lot of a lot of it's it's a lot of practice. It's、uh, I take I do a lot of a lot of it at home. I give myself projects. I give myself projects that help me that will help me master certain elements of whatever it is I'm working on. Now this could be a new program I have to learn, and I've got like three days to learn it to be good at it. Or this is I'm trying to understand color theory, or I'm trying to understand light balancing. This it's really it's a very simple formula. It's just like Kobe Bryant. It's repeat. It's putting in the hours. 
uh, once you do that, then the learning curve also gets shortened in the next thing, in the next thing. Um, if you, whenever I create anything, like let's say using uh, Illustrator or Sketch, there's already uh, an established base that I have that lets me move quickly, create quickly. Uh, I know what is, you know what I am looking for. I know if there's like a like a mistake or an issue because I've done it a hundred times before, and something's off. Maybe I don't notice it right away, but I notice something is off, and I'll catch it. And these are all things that happen in like microseconds. And because I repeat and repeat and have done it so many times, that's how I'm able to move through it so quickly. Let me actually be more specific yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. So with basketball, it's a little bit easier to see because they're score report right, virtually, right? right? Yeah. And then there's known fundamentals like shooting and dribbling, like mm -hmm. things like that, passing, right? And positioning in the court. So there's a little bit more easier for me to yeah, yeah, for I me to you. understand. So talk to me about the fundamentals of design. Mm -hmm. Maybe so that way you can concretize like, the practice that you talked about. Like what when you say you do practice, you give yourself projects. Mm -hmm. What are you practicing? What are some of the fundamental things? So that way it can help people who are listening concretize what are some of these. Mm -hmm. perhaps fundamentals or, or the fancier stuff that you're using or mm -hmm. better theory that you're testing so that way you kind of like build it for us right okay gotcha okay um, I'd say from the beginning a good way to establish a base is we all have eyes we we know things that we like that we see find ads find um, creatives find anything that you you like uh, take them and break them down. What are the elements that make it look so good? You, you look at a photo or an advertisement, for example, and there are a lot of things going on in there. There's like color theory, for example. You want to learn it. You want to understand what colors complement other colors, what colors contrast or like have high levels of contrast that you want to balance, you want to make work uh, all these photos, all these professional uh, designers know this stuff. Uh, you you work from there. You work from that. You break in. You break them down to their sort of like their core. And uh, now you have a, and then now you have a project. Number one, recreate what they did from scratch. Number from, two, from scratch is right. in white paper. Right. Well, white canvas. Yeah. Whatever whatever your medium is. Right. If you want to be an artist. It's a painting. You want to be a, you know, graphic designer uh, for an ad agency. Find a, find an incredible ad that you liked, mm. and just recreate it. Then make it your own. Mm. You know, something inspired by it, mm. like so. And uh, so first, I, so yeah. first, start from scratch. Yeah. Duplicate it mm -hmm. from scratch. Then after you know you can do that, then make yeah. it your own. Yeah. Okay. Because by duplicating it you understand what are the elements that made this so good. Mm. Why, did, why did this one do so well but other ads didn't? Mm. And by creating it yourself, you start naturally understanding why. Mm. Like, oh, okay, because if I you know, put this object on the left side, the balance is all off. Mm. So put them back on the right. That's why they put it here. You know, there's like this invisible line where, you know, if you were to draw a vertical line or a horizontal line, you'll notice that like if you cut it in like three halves, mm. vertically and horizontally, 
you'll notice that the points where they intersect are my focal points. Like, this is where my eyes go. That's why this shape is over here. That's why this object is here. Mm -hmm. It's drawing you there. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. Uh, so that's the way I always did it. I would just find cool things and recreate them, and that's how I learned to use the programs. I didn't go to school for that. Mm. That's how I learned to use them. Mm. That's how I learned to do this stuff. Mm. And when you know, the, you know, my moments came throughout my career to sort of shine, I was able to do it mm. because I'd already done it a hundred times. So okay, pause on that. Yeah. <clears throat> so you give yourself these type of projects. Is it project based? Is it time based? Because I mean, it requires. Mm -hmm. so, by the way, just so that you know, this yeah. is. If anyone listening, this is like really good career advice, by the yeah, way, yeah. <laughs> in case you don't know this. Um, because, yeah, a lot of people, they wait until someone tell them to do something, then they do it versus yeah. self-educating, yeah. self-learning with specific deadlines, treat it yourself as mm -hmm. if your own client, Yeah. <laughs> right? And then just give you a time box and then continue to, to hone in that way. So, so give me give me some concrete things that you give yourself. Is it a ninety day project? Is it thirty day project? Is it a weekly project? Like, what is the scope that you give yourself? Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, the proactive approach is definitely the better way to go. Uh, I limit it to uh, times uh, per day. So I say, okay, so today is going to be uh, a two hour window, and here I have a list of my projects. I'm going to be working in that two hours. Now, if I have like, let's say three or four projects, what I tend to do, I don't know if this will work for everyone else, is I will jump between projects. I'll do 25% of one project, jump to another one. And it requires a completely different, different kind of, you know, uh, part of the brain to work on this stuff. So it's really good practice. So I can yeah, why do you do that? Practice. Uh, it's the same reason that, you know, they, doctors will recommend you if you're right-handed, once in a while eat your cereal with your left hand because it keeps the brain guessing and it forces it to sort of you know stay sharp I see so this is your way of cross training right yes I see. absolutely because some people may say well that's um, dilly dallying mm -hmm. right using it in a not so positive way right 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 so because I'm actually at the belief that I want to go deep mm -hmm. versus jumping around a bit okay so 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 why did you pick the cross training route versus the deep dive route mm -hmm. so if because we're treating i treat this like training mm -hmm. this is not a uh a project for like let's say work mm -hmm. uh it's for the purpose of improvement right. and by being able to jump between things uh, I unintentionally gave myself that ability to wear multiple hats in startups mm. that I work. For example, I'm working on one project, last minute, uh, like, you know, like there's a last minute uh, request. Hey, we need to edit videos. And I'm like, I, I haven't edited a video in years. But, I, but all that training I've done... I'm able to kind of intuitively figure out how this program works, for I example. See. And that, and I think it's really important. If you treat it like training, it gives you that ability to understand, you know, what you know what needs to be done, and kind of switch on a dime. I see. So, so you put yourself in a situation of the startups that you work for, mm -hmm. 
and because startups is like this, yes, you have multiple projects on any given time, right? Multiple internal clients any given time, and therefore you train like this. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So that explains it. Because yeah. as a scientist, my yeah. training was not that, right? I don't right, have right. multiple science projects. You have I one. Know, I have one. Gotcha. I got to go really deep. So therefore, my training and continue to be the way I work today mm -hmm. is actually not to. I actually don't work very well mm -hmm. switching. Switching. Hats. Okay, gotcha. I mean, I, can, I learn to be better, mm -hmm. but my preferred way of doing things, especially as an introvert, is to go deep. Gotcha. Once I kind of knows how my internal thought process works and I can articulate it. But anyway, we're going back to what you're saying. <clears throat> so cool. Appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Of course. By the way, really great advice for anyone that's listening. So you give yourself um, hours mm -hmm. to switch around these projects, right? And how do you know when to complete and move on to the next thing, um, or, or cut and then start a new one? Because I'm sure as a creative, yeah. you have projects all the time. All the time, all right? the time. You want to do new, 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 yeah. new, new, new yeah. things. Yeah, right? it's it's really good. You keep those creative juices flowing as a as a byproduct, actually. Uh, I think if you, I tend to hit like a small wall when I'm working mm -hmm. on any particular design mm -hmm. and that's usually an indicator to sort of jump to the next thing. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, a lot of times what happens for designers is we'll, we'll, we'll complete a project but we won't, we won't send it out yet. This is like our version of complete. Mm -hmm. Then maybe in a few hours or the next day, we'll come back, we'll look at it with sort of this fresh set of eyes. Mm -hmm. Because if you've been working on something for three hours, you're just all into it and you've kind of lost your objectivity mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. By uh, And you'd have to wait a few hours to kind of get it back, look at it like fresh. Mm -hmm. But by sort of switching every time you hit this like creative wall, sw switch over, start doing the next thing. Now that objectivity for the first project is back. Mm. You can jump back to it and be like, "Oh, whoa, this is this is not right. I was just about to waste two more hours and go in the wrong direction." You can see that again. That that is when I tend to switch is when there's that creative wall. I when see. I'm not sure where to go next. Okay, let's let it sit. Let's move on to the next thing. Start working on that. Oh, that's a great idea. Jump back to the other guy. That's so interesting. Yeah. So <clears throat> in my mind, so I love the mm -hmm. way James Altucher, one of the mm -hmm. bloggers, he wrote about writing 10 ideas down a day. Yeah. He said that it's easy to write five ideas. But when you get to the six, mm -hmm. you start to sweat a little. Yeah. Seven, sweat some more, right? <laughs> Eight, nine, ten, you like really had to use a yeah. lot of like energy to squeeze those eight, nine, ten ideas out. Mm -hmm. But those eight, nine, ten ideas tend to be some of the best. Yeah. From his perspective, right? So, so, so I really like that because ultimately for, uh, for me, my, my experience in working in science projects or, or engineering projects or entrepreneurial projects, mm -hmm. um, those eight, nine, ten ideas, the 10th ideas, uh, ch chances are usually some of my best right. <clears throat> because I actually have gone through the process and got out some of the mm -hmm. superficial earlier stuff. So, so your approach is, is fascinating. So when do you stop? So is it at, I'm using that analogy, the, mm -hmm. the 10 ideas. Is it at five? Is it at six? Is it at seven? Is it at eight? I guess, it's at at the, I guess it would be at the six. It makes sense if it's at the six. Um, 
it's because they're not really <clears throat> ideas, but if we were to give it, use the same analogy, I guess mm-hmm. it would be it would be at the six when you start to like really start squeezing it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, in my experience, that sixth is isn't as good as the first five. How how I've how I've seen it. Uh, the first five is uh, the others. You're just trying to write something. Is how I understand mm-hmm. it. The first five were genuine, you know, mm-hmm. ideas that have been floating around. That you know, you you they've been in your head for a long time, but you've just forced yourself to kind of push them mm-hmm. out. But six, seven, eight, the way the way I would understand it are the ones where you're just coming up with anything that yeah fits. you're eking it out trying yeah to, trying to make it seem yeah. original yeah yeah the, the imitators of originality right yeah so so that's this is this is actually interesting yeah. so because design is such a creative requires flow right yeah. requires the thing so you can't really force flow per se no. but with analytical mm-hmm. you do want it to like mm-hmm. really think about five different angles and all of the right. angles and, that, that makes sense that so way. you gotta like kind of I don't want to say force it but exert mm-hmm. that energy right um, that's interesting my experience has been that it's actually somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. I don't want it to be so easy mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, no one does. Yeah. Right, but I also want to, don't want to make it so I am forcing an outcome to something because the chances are when I for I'm forcing something, uh, the outcome isn't going to be original or creative or innovative anyway. Mm-hmm. So there's that kind of like uh, holding. I'm mixing analogy all over the place. <laughs> I guess, but it's kind of like holding onto a, a, a sand. Uh-huh. Yeah, know? it just comes right through. Right. If you hold it too loosely, it comes right through. Hold it too tightly. Actually, no, that's not a good analogy. Holding mm-hmm. a fish, right? Yeah. Hold it too tightly, it kind of flies, you know, squeezes, squeezes it out. Yeah. All right, coming back. Mm-hmm. Right back from my, uh, <laughs> back from my analogies. Um, <clears throat> but this is an interesting conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, anything other and tactically to hone your mastery in, 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 in conquering your impulse to be complacent, mm-hmm. to be lazy, to say, ah, today is not the day. Right. Today, today I should watch Netflix versus mm-hmm. working on my projects and making my be better at my craft. Because in the creative pursuit, you do want to give yourself space right. to be creative. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't want to, like, once again, hold it on too tightly, yeah. so rigid that you can't be creative. Of course. So where's the line for you? Yeah. Um, uh, again, uh, that's the, the the technique I've always used, and I do recommend. It doesn't have to be two hours, but mm-hmm. if you do assign yourself a period of time every day to do something, oh, good, yeah, uh, to to do something, whatever it is you're trying to uh, master, uh, put that in the schedule. Stick to it. Even if even if uh, it's you, you know you don't make anything good in that time, you still put that time in, and that creates that discipline mm-hmm. over there. Don't sway from it because if uh, at least for me, if I skip it once, then it's really easy to skip it again. Slippery again. slope. Right. Yeah. So that way, I just say. Is it regular time, like eight to ten, specifically, or you kind of just no? Keep it's it a loose? no. It's so it's a it's a specific time. So it's uh, for me, it's a nine thirty to eleven thirty. Okay. Every 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 day because I don't know how late I'll be at work. 
Yeah. But I still want to put that time in. I got you. No matter what. I got you. I won't always find two hours worth of work. I'll admit. I use Sundays to sort of figure out what I want to do. Yeah. Cool, fun projects. So Sunday is your plan time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like meal prep, but for right. creative prep. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. then Monday to Saturday is execution. Correct. I see. Yeah. All right. And it's it's a lot of fun because and Sundays is exploration day, right? So uh, I want to I want to say, look, I want to learn, you know, how to do 3D animations. What are some good projects? I'll find some cool projects, put that in the queue, and then work through it during the week. And you, that way, you can just amount amass a lot of different skills mm. and uh, give yourself like 30 days of actual projects can make you pretty good uh, at just about anything. Mm. Yeah. And then you just keep going with it. Mm. I like it. Yeah. And how do you manage this queue? You use Trello? Do you, what do you use as a way to help you manage all of the ideas, all of the tasks, all the possible projects? Uh, I, I, uh, personally, I love using Evernote. Okay. Yeah, that's my favorite thing. I have it on my phone. I have it on my laptop. Yeah. Anytime idea strikes or yeah. someone shows me something cool, it's going into Evernote. Interesting. Yeah, I just pull out my phone and I've got like pages and pages of it. Um, I write a lot of like uh, fan fiction for for movies that you I watch write? and oh yeah oh, okay. oh a ton of it all right so oh, cross yeah. training Here oh yeah go. yeah that's that's another one. That's yeah great. that's absolutely another one um, like and uh, that's that's a really good tool because sometimes I'm having a conversation with a friend I'm like that's a really good idea mm. write that down mm. yeah you know, and uh, that's that's a great way to keep it all so you're using yeah. your creative muscles quite a bit yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Writing, design, mm -hmm. video editing, yeah. any kind of animations, all animation. Of it. What else? Any other modalities I use to create to to train your creative muscles? Uh, yeah, well, I started. Oh, I started uh, illustrating, like uh, trying to write like a like a comic book illustration. Mm. Uh, this is a completely different uh, skill I discovered. Drawing. Yeah, drawing. Okay. Uh, I'm not good at it. Um, not yet. No, not yet. Right. Not yet. As long what as you're I, hours. Right. Yeah. What I, what I do uh, love about it is it helps whenever you, whenever you see a comic illustration, there is absolutely a, like a, like a formula to it. Uh, head to body uh, ratio, size ratio on the hero versus the villain. Uh, their positioning, how you know when someone is fighting, when someone is being, uh, you know, is being scared or anything like this. This is all how how can you show an entire spectrum of emotion in a still image, Interesting. like this. And this is something that they do really well. Mm. This is something I'm learning as a byproduct of it, mm. which is why what makes learning new things so exciting because mm. you learn things you didn't know you were mm. gonna figure out. Mm. I love that. Yeah. I love that you are able to identify this curiosity that you have. Yeah. Right. And then also you're able to identify the process, the discipline that it takes to master something. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, like I said, this is not, <clears throat> it's not normal. It's not like mm -hmm. natural. It's not ordinary. Right. Yeah. Right. Ordinary people don't think this way. And hence I explains the excellence of your work oh, thank right? you yeah yeah of course um what about because then one other thing i noticed too 
is your ability to articulate mm-hmm. um, the visual um, work. Mm-hmm. Right? Obviously, this is what you do, but some people are intuitive. Yeah. Some people get it, but they may not be able to articulate why this is better than that mm-hmm. versus better than that. So, how did you train yourself to communicate? You know, you know, in a way that's that's effective. Um, I most of my experience was um, I had to explain it and articulate it, and that's really okay. always didn't not a wish there was some secret to it. It was just again practice. Uh, most people wouldn't understand what I was trying to do with it, mm. and as I describe it, explain it, they would start to see it. And the next time I did something, um, how I know if they listened is because they saw it again. And they said, oh, and they pointed out what I had explained mm. earlier. Mm. You know, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Uh, just practice. I, guess. I see. So similar to being better at fights. Right. If you want to be better at explaining Explain stuff to, <laughs> to, to people and yeah. explain things to yeah. people. Mm. Yeah. All right, <clears throat> beautiful. So, um, what about relationships? Relationship mm-hmm. management to other men in your life or other people yeah, you, at work, as an example. How do you train yourself to be better at expressing you know, your internal state? Well, first and foremost to yourself, mm-hmm. And then secondarily to people around you, so you said they know how to interact with you in again in an effective way. Yeah, um, I wish I was better at this aspect of okay. my life. That that's uh, for sure. But I say it works the same way with anything else. Uh, you have to make you have to really make the time for it, no matter what. So tactically, though, yeah. how do I how do I, so say I make the time for it? What do mm-hmm. I do? Right. What do right. I do with that? Show up. Um, have, uh, let's say, uh, with uh, girlfriends I've had in the past, and I always work out, I always work uh, quite a bit. But sometimes, normally, if there was no girlfriend, I'd be working until 8, 9 o'clock. If there is a girlfriend, I'll make sure to leave for di- and make, make it home for dinner. Mm. You know, or a date, or whatever it is. Make sure you get home just show up even if it's for 30 minutes even if it's for for less just that effort automatically uh kind of uh makes it important to you and if you if you feel like it's important to you you will just naturally make it work i I hear that a lot right i hear that if it's important for you yeah you would make the time or the effort well you have to make it it's not you you can for me it's you have to sort of trick the brain into making it feel important, right? Oh, I see. You know, uh, it's like it's like uh, like brushing your teeth. If uh, there have been times where I am just absolutely dead tired, I get in the bed, I'm ready to sleep, and then about like you know ten minutes into it, I realize I haven't brushed my teeth yet. As tired as I am, it's so important. I have to physically go. And do it because it's a discipline. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's essentially what it is. I see. You, once you start training your body to do it, uh, you'll notice that you it, you can fit it all into a day. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you can do that. You can take care of that. And that uh, I don't. You know, you. I don't think you want to 
tell her that uh, you know she's part of a schedule, but it's essentially probably how you'd have to make it work. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is in the beginning, mm-hmm. put it, it in a schedule. Right. Right. Then when he, maybe mm-hmm. after a thousandth time. Or yeah, whatever, it's a then natural, it's a natural habit. habit. Yeah. And uh, if, you're, mm-hmm. uh, if you're lucky, uh, she starts adapting to it as well. He or she, sorry, for whoever sure. is listening. Sure, sure, sure. Um, they, uh, they start to kind of understand your schedule, you understand theirs, become a team. Yeah, which is that's that's the dream, right? Right. Well, what about let's say professional mm-hmm. relationships? Then, how do you manage professional relationships? How do you you know manage them in such a way that's effective for mm-hmm. you? Right. Uh, in environment environment like uh, like this company, for example, everyone's eager to kind of help out, and you are as well. Uh, so. Keeping, uh, do you mean? Um, I'm sorry, maybe I don't understand the sure. question. Yeah. I, mean, it's, I asked a very ambiguous yeah. question. Let me ask it in a different way. For someone that's listening to this, yeah, right, they want to be the better version of themselves, the better man in mm-hmm. modern times today. And you give some really solid, solid advice around um, growing one's career. Yeah, right. A huge part of growing one's career is nurturing your professional relationships. Okay. So I'm asking you for some tactical things that you do mm-hmm. to nurture healthy, synergistic relationships at work. Okay. Um, so, oh, what I what I uh, love to do and what I uh, totally appreciate when it happens for me as well is uh, like they say everyone says oh be an active listener be an active listener but what do you do when you are an active listener when you have uh, like someone you you talk to someone you find out what they like what they've done maybe they tell you like an anecdote or a story that happened in their past the next time you have a conversation you bring it in to that conversation this kind of makes this person feel a lot more comfortable with you this is something uh, I've always noticed uh, my my father would do with people my father was like a black belt in making friends and and uh, relation and creating relationships because he would always he would always incorporate things that you've shared personal things into mm. other into their conversations he'd bring mm. oh don't you like this too or if that person's within earshot of you having a conversation with someone else about something that that person is an expert in you'd Bring that guy in, or her in. Uh, that's something I've noticed that helps you really make good relationships. Uh, people remember you like this. They feel uh, they feel acknowledged around mm. you, and you've got you know friends for life. Um, mm. This is some uh, one of one of my our coworkers here, Krista. This is uh, something she always did uh, with me. I always noticed. When I first started uh, started uh, working with her, and we'd, we'd have conversations, and she'd always bring up things that we talked about into it. I'm like, wow, she's just like, you know, she really cares. She really found me interesting, stuff like this. And therefore, I always wanted to be like around her. Or mm-hmm. uh, anytime she found a new new company that she was working at, I'm like, oh, if she's there, I want to be there. If she, mm-hmm. you know, if she says it's good, then it, it has be to be good, good. Yeah. right? 
like like uh, for example here she reached out to me she said hey what are you doing uh, are you looking for a change and I would and uh, the first thing that came to my mind was I would love the opportunity to work with her again mm. so that's something that and I'm not the only one there's like five other people that she brought in and they right. all feel the same way about right, right 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 so uh, yeah she has this incredible ability to do that and I try to mm. do that as much as I can myself I'm not at her level yet but I'm trying well to. you know she's a black belt level and yeah. perhaps you're the blue belt level yeah. right? and uh, how do we get there right we practice you practice <laughs> we continue to practice yeah um, yeah there's a famous phrase people say um, people are not going to remember may or may not remember what you say or what mm-hmm. you do but they'll always remember how you make them feel right and Krista is amazing at yeah. making feel feel acknowledged yeah. exactly. recognized and, and really, as human beings, ultimately what we want is to, to be seen, mm-hmm. to be heard, to see and be seen, right? Yeah. Ultimately. So, yeah, what a beautiful reminder. Cool, man. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with people who are listening that was tactical tools to help them be the best men that they can be in modern times? Uh, yeah, you know this is never you know never more now than any point in history can we genuinely do what we want to do and be who we want to be every you don't have to come from a, like a wealthy family you don't have to have even gone to a fancy school all that knowledge all that education all that stuff is out there for you and uh, don't be afraid of it don't be afraid to fail you learn a lot more from it and don't be afraid to say I don't know I do that all the time and you know the world never stopped it's like okay you want it's, in. yeah exactly and you know just uh, I I wish I remember who said this but this is these are some words that have always kind of resonated with me uh, I wish I remember who said this but he said uh, be be active in your own rescue hmm. kind what does of that thing. mean so uh, the the example he gave is if you're in the middle of the ocean and you're like treading water, mm. don't sit around waiting for someone to throw you a lifeboat. Mm. Start swimming, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So if you're if you are ever if you ever feel overwhelmed, you're in the middle of an ocean. No one don't expect anyone to come and magically help you out. It it may happen. Mm. It absolutely may happen, but you have to start, you know, with you. Figure out what you want to do, or even maybe you don't know what you want to do. Just try things, mm. and you try you try enough things, you find something that you like, and hopefully you're good at. Mm. You know that combination is ideal. Then just keep at it, keep practicing. You're gonna fail a lot. That's okay, but you know be active in your own rescue. And uh, yeah. this is, and I remember when I when I. In any time in my life where I just feel like uh, I can't do this and I want to maybe pawn it off to someone else or uh, tell them I can't do it, that's, you know, or maybe wait for someone to just magically relieve me of this, mm. this burden. I remember, hey, be active in your own rescue. So that's a mantra you use. A yeah. I see. You know, on that failure thing, though, <clears throat> mm-hmm. I mean, that's a life's journey, right, ultimately. Oh, yeah. It's easy to say mm-hmm. not to be afraid to fail or you know, 
failure is a learning experience, mm-hmm. you're right, all that. So tactically though, how do you continue to what I'm looking for reinterpret it such that it's, it's a learning experience always not, mm-hmm. a, not, a, not a matter of failure yeah. or success um, you know that song uh, don't worry be happy uh-huh. right there's a line in there if you uh, if, if you're in trouble you know if you cry you make it double mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, the the general sentiment behind it is that if you just complain about it or whine about it or just sulk about it the failure mm-hmm. and you focus on the failure itself mm-hmm. you've made it worse than mm-hmm. it actually is you've given it energy. more power yeah. and energy yeah, yeah it's yeah. coming alive yeah uh, if if it's a if it's a failure that you can't do anything about yeah then you really have no reason to worry about it yeah because I mean, it's yeah. so easy to yeah. say that's well thing, you know right? Uh, yeah, it, it might be. A, yeah, it might it's just be. It might just be a character thing, yeah. because I have uh, I have a, a brother and and a first cousin who are two different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first cousin and my brother they're, they're both basically like brothers. We we all grew up together. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Uh, my my brother, younger brother, uh, does let when he fails, that stuff consumes him. Yeah. Uh, he he like he needs to, like he uses he's angry and he kind of uses that anger to get his way out. Uh, I you see. know, uh, he's my, an energizer, right? I see. Right, and he uses it against it. Like if you want to kind of do that, but he lets it. But he wastes a lot of time, mm-hmm. you know, being upset about it. Mm-hmm. You know, almost like it's like revving him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, my my cousin. Who actually is more is closer to my kind of character is whenever something goes wrong, something's not working, or there's you know, or we fail at something. If there's nothing you can do about it, we'll sort of just shelve it. Mm-hmm. There won't be any type of uh, you know superficial emotion mm-hmm. that gets because it's exhausting. Right, yeah. he won't add new emotions no. into it. No. Whatever emotion he had, okay, and then he's yeah, like, and he's not going to bring anyone else into it yeah. either. Like you know, you know, feel bad for me, kind of thing. Right. Uh, yeah, and then uh, because you have to actively figure out how to fix this problem. If you can't fix this problem, you know, don't let it consume you mm. like this. Um, if you can recognize, so when you do, uh, first thing is, this is assuming you can recognize mm-hmm. what went wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first thing you have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did it not work? Mm-hmm. And uh, once, you know, you kind of like clear your head, all right, why did this not work? Let's pick this apart. Mm-hmm. And you're going to learn more by picking it apart than you were if you just got it right the first time, like on the first try. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's the only way we learn. We talked about it many times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's why we just keeps coming back because yeah. it's you know it, it's it's meaningful. Um, a f- for example, um, in um, in boxing, for mm-hmm. example, uh, you can no one really ever uh, you don't react to a punch coming to your face. Uh, you because uh, everyone's reaction time is essentially the same. It's uh, you know there's a stimulus. Your eyes see it, it goes to your brain, your brain tries to figure out what's going on, and then it sends a signal to the appropriate part of the brain. In this case, head, move out of the way. Mm. Uh, reflexes are different. Mm. 
Mm. So reaction and reflex, two different things. Reflex is you've conditioned your body to act a certain way to a stimuli instantly. Mm. So if you've been punched enough times in the face from, you know, like a jab, for example, you reflexively get out the way. Mm. You reflexively uh, recognize certain positioning and body movement and weight changes and arm drops and little little micro movements mm. in the body because you've essentially you've failed so many times mm. that you understand how to sort of succeed. Wait, hold on. Yeah. So pause. Each time you get hit is a failure, essentially. Right. Right. So, so in order to do that, mm-hmm. I need to get hit so many times. Pretty much. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Pretty much. That's why sparring's so great. <laughs> sparring lets you, like, in a, in a real, you don't want to, you don't want to start learning in a real fight. You want right. to learn it in sparring because in sparring, uh, if you have a good partner at least, uh, who won't go hard with you, mm-hmm. so you're able to get hit multiple times, Lightly. and there's yeah. no no physical damage mm-hmm. usually. Uh, but in in a real fight, you don't want to get hit at all. Right. That's the whole point of it. Right. That's why you train. I mean, there's so much. Um, if you really look deep mm-hmm. in what you just said, there's so much wisdom in what you just said. Right. The name of the game is to master new skills. Yeah. To, the ability to solve problems. Yeah. And you want to stay in the game. Don't die. <laughs> don't get knocked out. Yeah. So then, therefore, you do the hard practice. You, do, mm-hmm. you spar. You will do whatever. And I like what you said about the difference between your brother and your cousin. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, this is the way I kind of think about it, right? If you think about a spectrum of feminine and masculine. Yeah. Because in my mind, Chinese philosophy, yin and yang, mm-hmm. it's a spectrum. And you can also look at the, the y-axis, uh, immature, mature. Yeah. Health, unhealthy, healthy. Yeah. Right? In my mind, <clears throat> I want to operate from neutral. I don't want to mm-hmm. operate from perpetually a masculine right. space or a right. feminine space or unhealthy space or you know immature space or whatever it be. And then from neutral, then I have options to choose. Mm-hmm. Is this situation call? Does this situ- situation call for anger? Right. If I can channel anger as a way to get as a solve this problem, mm-hmm. I want to channel anger. If that's the most effective way to channel, great. Uh-huh. But I want to stay there either. Yeah, yeah. Go back to neutral, right? If uh, letting things go is the best way to solve this problem right now, mm-hmm. guess where I'm gonna go? I'm gonna go letting this go yeah. right now, right? <clears throat> so that's my mental model in doing all of this. And how do you decide? Which way you want to go? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I, I, so that's the mental model. I'm not yeah. saying I'm no, a black belt in that yeah, level yeah, yeah, yet, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, there's a quote I keep quoting in this podcast: "Is between stimulus and responses of space. Yeah. In okay. Space lies uh, our freedom and our growth, right? So I want to have a lot of different options mm-hmm. that in the micro moment that I can pick, right, or react to mm-hmm. that my body and my mind, my heart, my emotions is yeah. well trained to be able to." Hopefully, right, intuitively pick the best mm-hmm. option that now of in that moment. <clears throat> uh, so that's a short answer. A long answer to that question, how do I know? I would say do a lot of the daily disciplines that I do. You know, whether it be psychedelic experience mm-hmm. or whether it be meditation mm-hmm. or whether it be, 
you know, uh, mistakes that I made in the past. Yeah. I experienced a lot of pain. Hey, don't do that. Right? Okay. Gotcha. Uh, do that thing because, uh-huh. you know, staying being angry forever yeah, may yeah. be useful, but ultimately your adrenaline, mm-hmm. your, your adrenal gets fatigued, all that. Right. Long-term effects. Right? So Long-term you're sort effects. of programming that little, I guess it's like a dot on the spectrum right. that moves. <clears throat> yeah. So, so in my mind, teaching it to right, and I'm teaching react. a range. Yeah. Versus how I was raised, I'll be a man has no emotions. So okay, right. good. So now half of my spectrum I don't get to use, mm-hmm. or I don't use very effectively because yeah, I have yeah. no experience. <laughs> right. So I can only spin the other half of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, as an example. Right. Right. So hence why cross training. Right. Going back. Mm-hmm. Right. To do a lot of the same analogies. And in my mind, the true master. In my mind. <clears throat> A modern a man that I look up to, that I respect, yeah. has range. Right. Has options. He's not always in default a particular mm-hmm. masculine way or feminine way or whatever way that he's at. He is situational. Okay. Right. That so, works. Yeah. So that's kind of my mental model. So I really love the uh, example that you gave mm-hmm. about your brother and cousin. your cousin. Yeah. And that. Uh, that's their default state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> yep. So maybe that works well for them consistently. Right. Even if your brother doesn't love it. Yeah. It's just logically, how it works for him. Yeah. But he, he likes it. That's <laughs> maybe. Why he, that's why he keeps going back to it. Maybe. Right? Uh, he likes the results, I think. Right. Is, uh, right. That's what I yeah, mean. Yeah. Right? He likes it. Yeah. But he may not enjoy the experience. The moment. Okay. Yeah. I understand. But, uh, but maybe he doesn't know there are other options. Yeah. Maybe not. We weren't, yeah, like we weren't, similarly, we were raised uh, uh, just, you know, man, no emotion. Right. You know, it's like, it's a very, you know, conventional kind of household like that. Uh, And the only emotion that you, I guess, you can have is rage. Right. Right, if you're a man. So yeah, zero or one. Yeah, zero or (laughs) anger, you know. It's, you know... (laughs) We don't, uh, no, no one in my family holds anything in, uh-huh. which is good. Yeah. But they also, you know, uh, they also don't hold anything in, which is <laughs> not always good. Uh, there's like an, uh, there's like this uh, Armenian or Russian anecdote kind of thing. It's uh, people will hold it in. Uh, when you hold in too many things, uh, that's how you get like cancer. Right. If you let too many things out, that's how you get a heart attack. So find your... Oh, that's interesting. I heard the first part. I didn't hear the second part. Yeah, it's because you're stressed out all the time. Oh, that's Uh, interesting. Yeah. Because in my my heart attack is also (laughs) disease too. Right. Yeah. So you you can't always be angry. You can't always... Well, I mean, they're both like stages of, you know, sort of the stress. I see. But one is just always yelling and screaming. The other is just always holding it in. I see. The translation comes out a little... So so one is they suppress... When <coughs> they don't suppress, they, they let everything they explode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, see, I see, I see, Yeah. Interesting. Hey, thanks so much for sharing no, everything. thank you. Culture. So I want to acknowledge you. Yes. I want to acknowledge you for sharing so generously about yourself. I want to acknowledge you for sharing like some tactical tools mm-hmm. that some of these people who are listening could take into their careers to be, to be more masterful in their craft. To, to cultivate mm-hmm. um, the relationship that they mm-hmm. can use you know, that would advance them to be you know the kind of person the kind of professional that they want to 
be. I want to acknowledge you also shared um, some of the, the, the kind of behind the scenes, you know, family life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because that from these analogies that people can really learn how to actually pick better tools. Mm-hmm. They have different options. So, yeah. So that's really the goal of all of these um, podcast interviews that I do. Yeah. So. And I want to acknowledge you for that. That was This is a wonderful idea. Uh-huh. And you do have this uh, incredible ability to just bring that <laughs> stuff out of people because I uh, you I think you might be the only person I ever talked to about stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. So I I appreciate you for that, and right. I want to acknowledge that is a talent in and its own. Uh, so well done. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. All right, take care, guys. Yeah. See you next time.